0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. This is your host Bart Carroll along with Shelley Mazenoble, for our first segment speaking with geeky hostess Tara Theoharis. In our next segment Trevor Kidd joins us for a call with the Dungeon Bastard. But Shelley I know you're far more interested in what Tara has to say.
1: To I me. have been waiting a <laughs> really time for this finally getting to speak with tara whom i i don't know i kind of feel like we're soulmates i i really think so this is so exciting to talk to you if um anyone listening out there has not heard of tara the geeky hostess you need to go find her right now she has an amazing blog in which um we're gonna learn all sorts of things you're gonna tell us all these cool things about your blog but i mean really how did how does one become the geeky hostess
2: well, um, if you, like me, have a lot of geeky passions and interests, and uh, you want to find a way to I- express it in your everyday life, and uh, you want to find a way to um, kind of bring some of your friends and family that aren't as geeky um, into your world, you you kind of become this geeky host or geeky hostess. You um, incorporate your passions into parties, into recipes, into gift ideas, into home decor. And um, the geeky hostess uh, site itself started once I was out of college and, and living on my own with my then boyfriend, now husband, um, and realizing I, I need to start, you know, focusing on things like home decor and, and entertaining and, and I want to become this better hostess, but I don't want to lose sight of the things that I'm excited about and passionate about. So it's all about incorporating those together.
1: So I think is really cool because I think a lot of times people separate the two or mm-hmm. they don't realize that that there's a way to, to bring some, we'll use geeky for an for an example, but they don't realize that there's a way to maybe incorporate things that you're passionate about into, like, maybe like a mainstream event. Like, we just had Thanksgiving, for instance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a way to incorporate a little geek with your. Uh turkey there, but... Yeah, I mean, for
2: Thanksgiving, the, the easiest thing is just bring home your favorite new games and, and share them with the family. Um, we visited Iowa and all of my extended family for the first time for Thanksgiving, and it was my first time in 10 or 20 years seeing most of them, and the first time ever that my husband met a lot of them, and he just brought a backpack full of games, and he was the that's most popular a, guy there. <laughs> that, that That's
1: a good tool when you're meeting a, a family for the first time.
0: So out of curiosity, what did you guys end up playing?
1: Oh, we played... A lot. Um, let's see. One of the
2: the kind of more party style games we played was catchphrase. That so was really popular for um, the people that weren't as into gaming. Um, we brought um, get bit for some of the younger um, younger members. I think we had people around age ten playing that all the way up to adult um, guillotine or guillotine. However you pronounce it, uh, was also a fan favorite, and that we had people um, ten and up playing. Um, what else? We brought Dixit, which was another easy one for um, people that, that weren't as excited about strategy but still want to be a part of it, um, and everyone loves that. I mean, the cards are just so beautiful, and uh, there, are, there are a few others. He
1: had a, a lot, Yeah, <laughs> but those are some great. of the popular ones. That's a good variety. Yeah. We have recently, well, we, last year, at Christmas Eve, we started what I hope is a new tradition, and we played Cards Against Humanity with my mom, <laughs> who loved it.
2: I have also done that with my parents. Yeah, it's an adventure. She was actually
1: um, alarmingly really good at it. (laughs) My dad was in the living room because he kept screaming, "Stop it! Come on! It's Christmas Eve!" (laughs) But anyway, um, so but you you play D and D? I do. So how did you? What was your introduction
2: to D and D? So my introduction was back in college, so I was a little bit of a, a late bloomer um, to D&D. My, once again, then boyfriend, now husband, introduced me. Um, we met doing improv, and so we played with a bunch of members of our improv troupe. And that oh, is one of the most like fun the ways best. to play. Yeah. D&D
1: party right there. <laughs>
2: exactly. So it was it was very humorous. It was very fun. It was very story-driven. And that's, um, I think, why I, I love very story-driven versions of um, Dungeon & Dragon campaigns, because um, I just I like that adventure, and I like creating complicated characters that mm-hmm. that might not survive the whole way and they might not always make the best decisions but it makes for that really good story that you can you can retell at the next campaign so you don't get too attached to your characters I, I don't. Um, we usually do a lot more one-off campaigns than continued campaigns. So we'll do the, you know, you start early in the day and, and go all night and, and just play one big adventure. So we know whatever's going to happen to that character. We can always re-roll the next time we all get together. Yeah, sometimes sure.
0: it's more fun to have the character with a 3 instead of an 18. And yeah. the ability scores. <laughs> it works. Exactly.
1: It takes the pressure off of you really thinking about what the right decision would be? Just like, yeah, oh, never make the right. decision. My character does really doesn't know this. So, yeah, yeah, it would make sense. <laughs> um, so you have mentioned a little bit about about what we could find on your site, but mm-hmm. it, it is dedicated to incorporating geeky passions into everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, so how like what would be other than like say like say home decor? Mm-hmm. What would be a good uh, tip for somebody who uh, wants to feather their D and D nest with a little Geeky accessories.
2: Yeah, well, Dungeons and Dragons specifically is so great because they are those fabulous miniatures, um, or larger miniatures when you get to the you know yeah. the scale-sized um, dragons and creatures, and um, decorated with a few of those on a mantle
1: or above your really? bookshelf,
2: I think, is, it can be really nice, especially I'm, if you. Interesting.
1: Try... Bart's looking at me like, huh? <laughs> He's like, yeah. Yeah. My
0: um, 17-month-old son is already into. <laughs> D and D minis, oh, makes my heart squeal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I think these are the kinds of things that a lot of women might say, "Uh, uh, uh, not in my living room. Box it up. Put it back in your man cave. If you
2: do it." I would say in a in a classy way, and that yeah. that means a lot of things to di- or a lot of different things to different people. But um, I think if you incorporate the colors, perhaps just one dragon that you have up, and you incorporate those colors into the rest of your decor, and you have um, you know fairly minimal collections up there, you just mm-hmm. really focus on a couple of things, or you can have just your, a really basic living room or ossif or. You can just have a really basic living room or office, but um, you can frame a couple of really nice prints. Um, right. Or you can pick a couple of your favorite um, images from the book or your favorite
1: character sheets or anything like that and just Oh, kind of character it. sheets. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah. I think like that maps could be too would probably maps. make really cool art. Mhm. Art's getting inspired over <laughs> there. <Yeah. laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> and then, of course, if, if you have one of those coffee tables that has the glass that you can stick things underneath, you can stick um, the grid that you've been playing with or the map
1: that you've been playing with or things like that underneath. It's very practical, too. Yeah. Then you can just start playing. Exactly. Right there during a commercial break. And interesting, too, about the minis, because mm. especially the dragon minis, they are actually really, really beautiful. The they ones really that, that WizKids has put out, they act, they're they on a clear base, mm-hmm. too. So it almost looks like dragons are flying over your fireplace mantle. Ooh, I'm getting inspired I like that now. That too. That's yeah, great.
0: Or if you're decorating your Christmas tree, they probably make pretty good Christmas decorations.
1: Yes, actually I have to show you somebody's Christmas tree while you're here Ooh. because she actually took little dragon finger puppets and put them on um, Christmas tree branches. Oh, it's really it's really that quite adorable. Yeah. yeah. There's an idea for you. I, you can totally find that. Yeah, that's that. fantastic. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's Dungeons &
2: Dragons, but it also, you know, can work with Game of Thrones or other fantasy things, and you can just kind of tie
1: in all of that into your tree. Right? Absolutely. It's we kind of,
0: acknowledge only Dungeons <laughs> &
1: Dragons. Yeah, of, of course. Is this Game of Thrones you say <laughs> Game think of not. Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what you mean. Um, so um, holidays, we've talked about mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. We have uh, Christmas, Hanukkah coming up. Um, so that, And obviously that means a lot of friends and family are, are getting together, so this seems like a good time maybe to start to host a game night. Yes. A, not, not just a D&D game night, but <laughs> maybe a D&D game night. So what would be, like, what are some tips on making a game night really
2: shine? Yeah, um, I actually have a few friends who instead of give gifts, they invite everybody to a game night, and it's um, it's become holiday traditions, and it's really fun. Um, one way you can incorporate kind of the holidays into it is um, having a gift-giving element during the game night. Um, perhaps the winner gets to pick a white elephant gift or, or something like that. Um, I mean, or for Dungeons and Dragons, it can be um, if they receive certain items after going through um, through puzzles or things like that, then they actually receive the items in real life. That is pretty awesome. Um, I also have a really fun way to invite people to a Dungeons & Dragons game, which is a fun little craft that you can do as well. Um, <gasps> is it time for our craft portion? <laughs> it can be. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So, um, actually, if you want to play around with this and open it, okay. You can. Um, I just handed Shelly um, a surprise ball, and it is themed around a Dungeons and Dragons invitation. This is so cool. So This is it's wrapped in crepe. So it's yeah, it's wrapped in a uh, crepe paper, and um, then for decorative purposes, there's some washi tape and um, stickers on the top. You obviously don't have to put that on, but but it looks really cool with
1: it on. Uh, and just we, we will be able. People are gonna be able to find the how to yes, on this. Yes. On there will be a link with pictures okay. and and So I'm now. just gonna tear through this. Go so for I'm it. opening this. This is very exciting.
0: It's wrapped in a lot of flash paper, so keep it really <laughs> close to your face.
1: <laughs> yeah, this isn't gonna explode all the no, no explosions. I don't know how to do that yet. <laughs> Once
2: okay. I figure that out, I'll <laughs> for sure at
1: it. Yeah. So that, that blog we may not link to. Oh, this is like <laughs> this is cool. This is keep oh oh I just got a little piece of paper that just fell out of this. Okay, the ball is still relatively intact, but a little piece of paper has fallen out. (gasps) And it says you are cordially invited to a Dungeons & Dragons campaign on January 17th. Gameplay begins at 1 p.m. How cool is that for an invitation? And I'm not even done. Yeah. All right. I am
2: totally intrigued And while you continue to interrupt, um, one tip for if you are inviting people to a Dungeons and Dragons game as a gift, make sure you have a date in mind or um, even two if if they're busy and you're not sure which date will work for them. But um, if you don't give a date and you just say, we're going to do a campaign at some point, it's going to go the way of of a lot of coupon books that that go for the holidays where it probably will
1: never be redeemed.
0: I am very familiar with what (laughs) you speak of.
1: Coupons. (laughs) Yep. Oh, I just unwrapped the next layer, and this is uh, this is. I always get confused with a D8 and a D10, but this is a D8. That is a D8. <laughs> <laughs> I always panic in the middle of uh, a D and D game. Little, oh gosh, yeah. Uh, like, oh, just I a... don't know which one to roll.
0: <laughs> split the difference and call it a D9. There you <laughs> go. <Yes. laughs> no one will There know. you
1: go. Awesome. Okay, I'm very intrigued. Oh, and I just uncovered a little bit of purple now. Yeah, you was, can uh, change up
2: the colors of
1: the crepe paper streamers
2: as you go through with a little bit of tape just to add some this fun and is variety. Like a really cool gift, a really cool thing for anybody, but I'm thinking a kid would. Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. And oh. for, for kids, you can put other fun little tiny things.
1: I found another die. All right, this is, I'm in. I'm totally in. <laughs> Because I know that invitation wasn't just a prop. I'm, oh, like, totally yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just got, oh, I just got another piece of paper, and it says, redeem this slip of paper for advantage or disadvantage on the role of your choice can be given to another player and PC. That is also extremely awesome. That yeah. would have come so, in handy yesterday. So, if you are running a campaign as a
2: gift, it's good to reward your players and give them some some fun little advantages like Ooh. that.
0: And sure. good use of I the advantage the disadvantage guy. rules.
2: Yes, I've, especially if it's uh, if you're introducing them, especially if you, you are know. introducing them to the new rules. That's a great way yes.
1: to get them started. Yes. Thank you. Oh, there's my d10. All right, now I'm on to some pink cray paper. Yep, gotta have a little bit of pink. So, yes, you are totally talking to the right person. And I got another, I got a D6. Okay, okay, this is super cool. This is, I mean, like a full set of dice. Yeah, I'll give those back to you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, these are stamps. These are very nice. um, D4, always handy for the wizard. Oh, and another piece of paper. I love getting these little pieces of paper. All right, what does this one say? This says redeem this slip of paper for one random item from the trinkets page, which is my favorite. I guess
2: it's a spread since it's two pages. But my favorite part of um, of the, the player. I'm looking at the, oh, that's, yeah. the player's handbook. It's one of my favorite parts of the player's handbook.
1: That is very cool. And a great way to incorporate the core rule books into yeah, your gift-giving. Oh, I love that. Oh, and here's my D20. Did you strategically put it in there last? I did. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, <laughs> now we have yellow crepe paper. And not only is this fun to unwrap, but I am now like, covered in a pile of crepe paper. Yeah, it's which like I've decorated you for the holidays. It is. And, this, and who doesn't want that? Another cool piece of paper. Redeem this slip of paper for one reroll, can be given to another player or NPC. I don't know about that. If you would give this one up. <laughs> <laughs> well, say, you know,
2: one of the monsters rolled very well, then you can encourage them. You could say they have to re-roll.
1: Um, oh, of, of course. Yes. So, yeah. that, nice. All right. DMs must hate that. Yep. <laughs> Got my full set of dice here, and there's seems like one last cool thing in here, and it is <gasps> a mini. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Look. Oh. She's gorgeous. (laughs) This is beautiful. And a mini. So how cool is this? So So you get your invitation, you get your dice, you get some cool in-game items to use, and you get a mini.
0: What mini is it?
1: It is a sorceress. I don't remember her exact name, Uh but...
0: I know somebody who plays sorceresses quite often. So weird. Almost exclusively.
1: <laughs> somebody might be playing a sorceress in her campaign right now. <laughs> there we go. I love this. This is a very, very cool idea and super easy, pretty in-
2: inexpensive. You just need to buy a couple rolls of, of crepe paper and then, of course, um, any of the goodies that you want to put
1: inside. And I don't know about all of you, but I had a really good time opening that. <laughs> so I can assure you, I probably should have handed it over to you at some point.
0: Oh, no, it's fine. But uh, we will put the instructions and some photos up on the website as well as a link over to the Geeky Host's blog.
1: Yeah. Yes, because I imagine that you have quite a few. I know you do because I actually read your blog. So there's <laughs> quite, a, quite a few tips on there, but I know that you're going to get to maybe, uh, maybe a recipe or two. Yeah. Um, but first, maybe we should talk a little bit more about gift giving. the season. And maybe you have some good ideas If for people who are struggling to find a gift for the the geek in their life. Um, Let's think about your geeky best friend, your geeky significant other, um, your geeky hostess, because you're probably attending Mm -hmm. some parties this year, too, and it's always nice to bring a hostess gift. Do you have any suggestions for people?
2: Oh, I do. Oh, yes. Uh, So for your geeky best friend, um, when I was – thinking about this, I, I thought obviously about uh, some of my, my female best friends. So these um, are, are some potentially some female specific ideas but, I mean, they can't be ruled out. Men um, may like them as well. Um, one thing I love to do is give my friends jewelry that has something um, special incorporated with it. Um, and there are a lot of really good small businesses uh, that you can support um, and have them put you know a, a great saying of your choice, whether it's a, a nerdy saying from your favorite movie yeah. or TV show or maybe an, an in-joke from last time you guys played a campaign together um, spiffing jewelry is one of these and I'll include um, a link on my site okay. for that um, and then um, if you just go on Etsy and, and type in you can find a lot as well and yeah. I think supporting those small businesses is really exciting and interesting and it gives you a story um, to tell your friend as well with where their their gift came from
1: and it's certainly unique it's not yes. something that everyone's going to be wearing
2: definitely um, and then along the that kind of fun line um i actually have an item in my shop um that i love to give to people who enjoy rpgs and dungeons and dragons specifically and that is um rhinestone d20 underwear so it's oh. a little it's like little boy short boy shorts that have um a rhinestone d20 on them and so that's just kind of a fun uh, little thing it also makes a really fun wedding gift or bridal shower gift just you know kind of adding some charisma to their day
1: oh yeah it's a good little tagline yeah
2: um <laughs> Let's see, for um, your geeky significant other, um, those those ideas could work as well for them. Um, but I really like to um, give games to my husband um, because then we both can enjoy it, which is right. really fun. Um, and specifically, I like looking for two-player games. Um, so we have an excuse to just sit down and play together. Um, some of our favorites include Lost Cities, Hive, um, and then some that aren't necessarily only two-player games, but we enjoy playing um, just together is Dominion and Carcassonne. Um, so if you're looking for some good two-player games, those are the ones I'd recommend. That's a great idea.
0: Yes, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention the Lords of Waterdeep, which I like to do.
2: Of course, that is also <laughs> Not one of my just because games.
0: it's a Wizards of the Coast game, uh, <laughs> but awesome. we've also played that as two, player two players on up, and it's a pretty easy one to t- teach new players as well. Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride, yes, mm-hmm. although it's hard to, to beat. Certain players. It's
1: hard, to be, it's hard to be someone in particular who <laughs> might be in this room right now. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. What can I say?
0: And you know, I'd add one more as well. Uh, telestrations is also one that we really a fun enjoyed.
1: Game. Have you played
2: Ooh, that one? I have not played that one Not I've player. heard good things, though.
0: It's a, it's a very yeah, good party Yeah, more game. the
2: merrier on that one. I feel like that would be a great one for the family as that well. Is. If you're looking to put something under the Christmas tree that everyone can play on Christmas Day. Yeah, Absolutely. kids
1: would like it, younger mm-hmm. ones. Well, We have had some really fun moments with that game. Awesome. Yes, and you don't. It's actually better if you can't draw. Like there was one person in the group that was a really good artist, and we were like, "You suck!" And, like, everybody knows what that is.
2: Yeah, I ruined def- it. You ruined I'm the whole definitely game. the awkward drawer. I'm the one that like yeah. you cannot tell what it is. No, so.
1: it makes sense in my head. But. <laughs> um, so. Um, Geeky hostess? Yeah.
2: If you are attending um, a holiday party and you want to bring something over for the host or hostess, um, one thing I'd recommend is finding a geeky cookbook. Um, it's just something fun that they wouldn't maybe necessarily buy for themselves, but we'll also encourage them to maybe bake those things for you in the future. Yes. Um Let's see, if you go on Amazon, there um, are quite a few. Also, if you search my site, you can see um, a lot of reviews on my site of different geeky cookbooks, including um, unofficial Harry Potter ones, Game of Thrones ones. Um, But one that is just coming out um, that I got a review copy of that I absolutely love is called An an Unexpected Cookbook, and it's an unofficial Hobbit-themed cookbook um, by Chris Rachel Osland, And um, it has... Everything you can want. In there, there are a lot of second breakfast recipes. There are. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think of of any in particular. I don't know. They all just look amazing. That is a great gift uh, idea. I
0: am also a fan of second breakfast. And yeah. third.
2: And, <laughs> and the great thing about that is, um, once again, because it's kind of in that that fantasy realm, a lot of um, the items that are in that cookbook can be used for Dungeons and Dragon campaigns. So if you're if you're starting off early in the morning and want to make a big brunch, um, there are a lot of really good recipes in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could do a whole. You could theme a whole partying around that one cookbook and also because Lord of the Rings is it's obviously fantasy but it's Mm -hmm. so it's kind of mainstream now too like a lot of my friends that say I don't like fantasy at all they love (laughs) Lord of the Rings that would be a really good gift for for one of them Mm -hmm.
2: it's an easy way to to bring them into the the geekdom a little bit more yes yeah yeah so do you have any items on your wish list? I do have um, one, and it's it's kind of a smaller item, um, so it's actually a, it's a really good price point for for gifts. And on ThinkGeek, there is a D twenty mini cake pan, um, uh. and so it's like this silicone um, item that makes a D twenty shaped um, like cakes or or breads or things like that. And it looks a little difficult to make, but I'm up for the challenge. Okay, um, it has to be
1: easier than those D twenty chocolates that I've.
2: Seeing yeah. people
1: trying to make
2: Yeah, no, this one it's just you you put the dough on, you stick the top on, and then you, you let that the oven sounds do good. the rest. That's not um, good. But and it like indents the the numbers into yeah. the side. So, yeah. It looks like it'd be really fun. I, I would love to make some rolls with that to go with like a nice tavern stew for, for one of the D&D campaign. Initiative
1: okay. rolls. Initiative rolls. I love it. Right? Um <laughs> Uh, I stole that, actually, from one of my favorite books, Confessions of a Part-Time Story. I was going to say, I feel like I've heard yeah. that before. <laughs> yeah, <go figure. laughs> so I know that we, we don't have too much time left with you, which is so unfortunate. Um, I can tell you right now, though, you are coming back, whether you want to or Excellent. not. Excellent. I will chase you down the street with a microphone. Um, but recipes, really quick. Yes. Do you have – I know you have a, a cool recipe to share with us. Yes. So um,
2: if you're looking for another little goodie to give for the holidays or really any time, um, one of my favorite holiday traditions is making truffles um, for all my friends. And so I created a fireball truffle, um, and it's not just the whiskey. It's <laughs> the <it's a> more <laughs> – the Dragons themed.
1: Um, oh, definitely. I have that spell. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and it's just a really delicious chocolate truffle that has a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of um, red pepper in there to give it a little bit of a oh, kick. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's um, it's very fun. It's I'd recommend it for people who enjoy spicy things because it is a little on the spicy side. Um, and then you top it with red pop rocks to give it a little bit of a kick Aww. there as well. And it looks holiday-ish. It so. does. Yeah. So yeah. that recipe, I believe, will be um, online as well, and we can link to that. Absolutely. We're going to find all of this.
0: So speaking of which, people want to find Geeky Hostess, where would they find your blog online?
2: They can find it at geekyhostess.com. Um, I'm also on most social media sites, so if you just search for Geeky Hostess, you'll you'll find me on Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr or Pinterest or Google Plus or YouTube or <laughs> whatever else is out there. <laughs>
1: um, so we will, and we'll definitely link to to your site as well. From our
0: Absolutely. Site. So God. very sad <laughs> that this was a short segment, but we appreciate you coming in before oh, the holidays. Thank
1: you so for, much You, for you must be you. very busy this time of year, I'm sure. And oh, again, it's fun.
0: We, we will we'll love to have you back next year.
1: Excellent. Or sooner.
0: Or sooner. (laughs) In our next segment, Trevor Kidd joins us for a call with Bill Cavalier, AKA the Dungeon Bastard. If you are not familiar with the Dungeon Bastard, he is a dungeon coach, a persona, a uh, force of nature.
3: All around badass.
0: (laughs) He likes axes, he likes Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and he likes uh, rolling dice. (laughs) Today, the Dungeon Bastard joins us to talk a little bit about the Dungeon Master's Guide. As the book has just released, the Dungeon Bastard takes a look inside and gives us his thoughts. So, first of all, thanks for joining the podcast, Dungeon Bastard.
3: Thank you very much for having me, and hello gamers out there. All right, Bill, so uh, Dungeon Bastard here. Before we get started, how about you tell us a little bit about how you got into D&D? Yeah, so in
4: 1983, I locked myself in my room with uh, six liters of fresca, uh, five pounds of beef jerky, and the entire deities and demigods, and my character sheet, Agthar Ironbinder, and I determined to myself that if I was not finished destroying all of the Cthulhu mythos, I was not leaving that room. Needless to say, 25 minutes later, I was a hardcore gamer.
3: So that was how you started playing. Uh, do Do you DM? It looks like you DM based on your advice. First and foremost, I'm an advocate for the players, right? If you want DMing
4: advice, there are plenty of terrible resources you can turn to in order to get a good idea of how to craft the boring story that you want to try and inflict upon your players. I'm here to rescue the players from that sort of nonsense. So I have picked up DMing advice, gleaned through tireless hours of horrible gaming sessions. And then I've picked the golden nuggets to sprint forth my wisdom with uh, those of you out there in the Dungeons & Dragons community. We, we definitely appreciate it. I can tell by the sincerity of your reply, Trevor. We definitely appreciate <laughs> I'm it. I'm
3: totally excited and happy with <laughs> the help you're giving the D&D community. Um so with that said how would you categorize your DM style? Uh
4: I would I would categorize it as the best of the worst. So uh look I'm not one for big ideas. I'm not one for uh, inventiveness. That's not me. Have you seen what I wear every day? It's a pair of sweatpants and a tight t-shirt. That's it. Why? Cuz it's easy to launder and it's comfortable. I'm not I'm not out there to uh, make a fashion statement or to impress somebody with my style. I'm all about functionality and utility, and that's my DMing
3: style. Let's get right down to rolling dice and punching evil in the face. So uh, when you did the world's worst dungeon crawl recently, how how did that go then since it was all about punching things in the face? Well, since you're asking me, I would say it was an unmitigated success.
4: But for those of you out there who don't know what the world's worst dungeon crawl was, I took the most cliched, hackneyed elements of your average Dungeons & Dragons game going all the way back to when you were 12 and your cousin decided to just quote-unquote put you past a few dragons, and uh, I incorporated all that into a horrible, cliched adventure. And then... I sprinkled my Dungeon Bastard magic on it and made it totally awesome. <laughs> and uh, that's my goal, is to take just the nuts and bolts of Dungeons and & Dragons and then glisten them ever so slightly, just put a little polish on there, and make a totally kick-ass experience.
0: So this was uh, the world's worst dungeon crawl. This was at uh, game Gamehole? This
4: actually was at Gen Con. Uh, Gen Con 2013 was when I ran that before a live studio audience of 200 and some gamers. Yes. Uh, I also ran it, however, at the most recent Gamehole Con in Madison, Wisconsin. And if you're in the Midwest area, uh, both of those conventions are fantastic. One's very small and intimate, and uh, the other one is uh, in Madison,
3: Wisconsin. I I really wanted to go to Gamehole Con this year. uh, It looks pretty cool. We had a lot of guys from the office go, so did you get a chance to hang out with Chris Perkins or any of the guys?
4: I did, as a matter of fact, get a chance to interrupt Chris Perkins' uh, panel where he was uh, explaining all of the majesty
3: of the Dungeon Master's Guide and then correct him (laughs) so yeah speaking of that you and Chris are are a little bit different in DMing style for sure you're talking about you know being more about the uh, fighting in your face style
4: yeah and for and for instance when I DM I have hair
3: Uh, well that that would be a very big difference did you bring that up with Chris
4: I chose not to bring it up
3: at that time because he works out more than I do yeah yeah he's got some of that some of that MMA stuff going on you gotta be gotta be careful with Chris so yeah, what do you think about all the story and world-building help in the DMG? Then, probably I think I know what your answer might be, but I could I, I'm willing to be surprised. You know, here's the thing: uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide is packed
4: full of tables, uh, little uh, subsections, tips, tricks, techniques, uh, methods for making your world more rich, more inviting, more engaging. Uh, I have a helicopter going over my head here today. Why? Because they're keeping surveillance on me that I don't leak any secrets from the Dungeon Master's Guide. <laughs> um, it's too late. It's already on the shelves if you go to your FLGS. Uh, so here's the thing, that I, my, my total summary of the Dungeon Master's Guide. It's, it's as if your DM was a three-year-old child and just kept walking up to the book and going, Why? 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 The DMG has an answer every time you ask one of those whys. Why do I want to include a small town? Boom. Hey, well, we'll just drop that segment in. I'll get, what's going on? The, what sort of? Why are there buildings in this small town? Well, boom, we'll drop a section in there. The, the never-ending questions, that it seems to have an answer for every single one. Um, it's a rabbit hole of advice, tips, and techniques. And uh, for me as a player, listen, I got lost. It's too much to consume at one, one shot. nothing
3: too wrong with that. It's, 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 good. it's a good reference to come back to and to come back to all the time. So last week, I saw you build an adventure using the random tables in Chapter it's 3 true. and beyond. What did you think about that experience? It's true.
4: You know, so here's the thing is uh, I, I'm not big on building adventures. It's not what I do every single day, day in, day out. I'm focused on min-maxing my character, making sure I pick out the best weapons, uh, optimize my feet chain, decide what abilities I really want to get a 20 or a 24 or a, or a 30 in. That's a house rule, everybody. You know, <laughs> that's that's just me kind of kind of tweaking on the edges of the system. Um and so for me, it was actually remarkably straightforward to kind of come into this thing, and boom, right off the bat, you've got adventure goals. You got a goal for your dungeon. Uh, there's another table there that's going to give you the layout of your dungeon. It's going to tell you who your main villain is. Uh, I was really actually in the course of you know a little a little bit over an hour able to put together a very interesting original uh, compact adventure uh, that I think I could probably walk away and just you know drop in on my players. Boom that night. And have a fantastic evening of gaming. So uh, you know, if you need those kind of kind of helpful tools and tricks, uh, that's it's a it's a perfect resource for you. the th- The problem that I have with this book is there's just too much in it that's useful. <laughs> Normally, when you have your Dungeons Master's Guide, it's something that you take home, you snuggle up with at night, you maybe read a page and a half or so, you try and figure out exactly what Gary was trying to say with those long convoluted words. And uh, then when you wake up in the morning, you're dreaming of kobolds who are trying to stab you in, stab you in the neck with a with a poison short sword. This thing, I'm going to want to have it on my table with me every time I'm gaming because there's a ton of advice in there that's uh, immediately available to you that when you have a questioner, you have to come up with something that your players didn't think of, which, let's be honest, that's the player's job is to come up with stuff that the DM didn't think of. You can flip this thing open and come up with a quick answer, and not just a quick answer that's uh, simple, but a quick quick answer that's interesting and satisfying. So it's a difficult book to digest for somebody who's used to just kind of sitting back and letting it stew overnight. It's it's a little too uh, it's a little too handy for me. I, I've
3: got enough books in my backpack. So what do you what do you think about arming your DMs with this? Then are you worried about that? Well.
4: I am afraid that they're going to try and have more epic adventures than we already have. And uh, given that I'm playing in the game, I'm not sure that's possible. I'm anxious to find out. But I do appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, whether you're a neophyte DM, somebody who's just getting into the game for the first time, or you're an old-school veteran with uh, years of experience under your belt, there's enough tools in there to kind of give you a little flavor, a little twist, or either, either help you along with your game because you're new to it, and help you structure an adventure or structure a campaign locale or even an entire campaign arc. Or if you're a veteran DM, there's enough stuff in there to kind of just juice the inspirational muscles there and uh, really put
3: your D&D game on steroids. I'm, I'm not advocating drug use with D&D, but I really did like that quote. So
4: I'm advocating drug use for your imagination, which requires
3: one thing, imaginary drugs. <laughs> We got all sorts of those. Mostly they're called poisons in the DMG, but... It's the same. Listen, I have to
4: say, I'm going to take issue with you right there. I think the poison and disease tables are the uh, last refuge of a weak-minded DM. <laughs> yes, you've got it all laid out. It's very straightforward how you use these things. Um, look, if I'm going to encounter something, I want it to straight up kill me. I don't want to have to die
3: of a series of constitution checks over the course of five days. I have to, I mean, let's all agree that diseases and and, uh, poisons are not a fun thing. I think the DMG does a pretty good job of of laying that out. But hopefully you could, you know, if you get something like that, you could just throw yourself into the mouth of a dragon. Uh, That's not possible for me, Trevor, because I've killed all the
4: dragons in my area. All the dragons? Yeah. All Uh, of them? Listen, I'm an elite player okay i don't mess around with the kobolds on the bottom work my way up to the top i go straight for the throat the scaly fire breathing throat if it takes me 60 characters to kill that thing i'll do it i'm not afraid to roll dice so you're just waiting for that 30 you were talking about (laughs) i'm waiting for that natural 30 to come up on 4d6 drop the lowest okay
3: so let's we've talked a little bit you as a dm how about so you as a player looking at that dmg what did you think about all those magic items Oh
4: boy! The only thing, the only critique I have, because there's a treasure trove of stuff in there, and the one thing that I like is that it definitely has a throwback to that AD&D old school feel, where you've got the classic, iconic magic items in there. Uh, They're not particularly convoluted. Uh, It's like it's like you're revisiting your old DMG, but with a, a new modern flair, with a modern design sensibility. And uh, it's very straightforward. It's very playable, and there's a lot of a uh, f- lot of flavor to latch onto there. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the scarcity. Um, the one area where I think there's a little too much scarcity is in the number of magical battle axes. Because I only counted like four, and uh, in my campaign there's got to be at least 12.
0: Yeah, you can never have too many of those.
4: Exactly. Uh, a lot of guys talk about having a, a, a golf golf bag filled with swords. I have a golf cart filled with battle axes.
3: Is it like the golf cart some kind of like apparatus of Qualish, but you know modified? Oh no! It's pulled by gnomes. There's no—I don't believe in <laughs> mechanical stuff. That's dangerous. I—I
4: believe in enslaving the lesser races, i.e., halflings, gnomes, uh, maybe a half-elf. Um, definitely, definitely. But don't mess with those dragonborn guys.
3: I don't even know. So, since we're talking about those sections, you know, the kind of the, the player-driven stuff there. There's another section in the DMG which we touched on a little bit. It's the Dungeon Master's Workshop. And then there's a whole bunch of, like, hacks for the game that that change the game. They can give players new abilities or anything like that. Were there things in there that that stuck out to you? Well, there's several things, of course. Uh, Number one, I like proficiency
4: dice. Why? Because I like rolling dice. And with proficiency dice, what do you get to do? Roll more dice. That's a win-win in my book. Uh, Number two, I like hero points. Why? Because I'm a hero. Done. Let's quantify it by a number of given points. I should have at least like a 50 to 1 ratio of all the other players at the table. Uh, I like having something I can look at and prove that I'm definitively better than everyone else. Um, Explosives speaks for itself. I don't think we need to, you know, go any further into that. Um, And then finally, one thing that I was really enthused about was uh, weapon speed factor. Uh, this, like, again, like I mentioned, this is a throwback to, like, an old-school AD&D type of uh, system, but with a modern design flourish on top of it. And, uh, yeah, you're gonna probably have to add in, like, re-rolling for initiative each round in order to really take full advantage of those weapon speed factor modifiers, but that's rolling more dice. I'm not afraid of that. I'm all for it.
3: So, really, like, roll a dice to take a step forward. Roll a dice to sit down. You want, you want for every action some kind of die roll. Listen, I don't want to roll for
4: every single action. I don't want to have my hero uh, roll to see whether he actually picks up his axe. I don't want to roll to see whether uh, I actually wake up that morning. Uh, Those sorts of things are, are tiresome, right? What I do want to roll is a bunch of dice whenever I do roll. That's what's important to me. So, uh... You know, look, if I can re-roll initiative every round, that sounds terrific. If I can modify that die roll a bunch of times, that sounds terrific. I like math. Why? Because math is my friend. That's the min-maxer's secret weapon against the dungeon master, right? The dungeon master has all these tools available to him. He has his crazy imagination. He has DM fiat. He has a book. Filled with magic items, uh, NPC traits, abilities, uh, tricks, traps, diseases, all of that sort of stuff. The only thing you can use against him, other than blind luck, is math.
0: Well, so we wanted to ask about that. I mean, we've asked you about the Dungeon Master's Guide as is. Now, the one section it doesn't have is a Dungeon Bastards workshop. Uh, If you were going to put one of those into the book, how might that actually look?
4: So for my own personal homebrew campaign, uh, I would put together a 120 segment initiative order, okay? And then instead of rolling a d20 and modifying that roll by your dexterity modifier, what you would do is you'd roll a d6 for each point of dexterity that you had. So if you had an 18 dexterity, you'd roll at 18d6, and then I start counting down from 120, and whatever your total is, that's when you go on your initiative order. It seems ungainly, it seems cumbersome, but you know what? You roll
3: fistfuls of dice.
0: <laughs> well, tough but fair.
3: Speaking of tough but fair, again, we're talking about magic items, some magic item creation rules. How, how would you handle magic item creation rules for your games?
4: Okay, so uh, first of all, there'd be a table, and you'd roll uh, 0 to 99. What is the magic item? It's an axe. Uh double 0, it's a vorpal axe. <laughs> so that's how I would start. Here's the thing. I don't really believe in magic item creation. Magic items are not something that your character makes. They're something that are bestowed upon you through the good graces of the DM. So magic item creation, in my personal homebrew system, involves one thing bribes that's right <laughs> know your dm know what kind of snacks he likes knows what know what kind of soda he likes to drink uh know what kind of car he drives because you never know maybe he needs an oil change is it you're gonna use 5w30 or 10w30 you going to use 5 w 30 or 10 w 30 you got to know the difference buddy otherwise you're looking at a meltdown on the highway and trust me nobody wants that so magic item creation involves one
3: thing Purchasing large amounts of sugar. (laughs) Yeah, there's usually a a lot of food bribes at the table in general when I see uh, our DMs or me DMing. So that that, that makes perfect sense in my world, man. Um, All right, so I think we're going to wrap up here shortly. But before we go, Bill, before we go, I have to ask, are there any party words of advice, knowing what to do about the DMG, are there any party words of advice you want to leave for all the DMs out there? Well, I guess what I would say
4: is if you feel like you have failings as a dungeon master, if you feel like there's room for improvement as a dungeon master, if you feel like you can't afford adventure coaching from me personally, and trust me, my rates are exorbitant, then I suggest you pick up this latest Dungeon Master's Guide. It's got a tool for every situation. It really covers the basics. Uh, I'm excited for uh, my... I have a friend who has a 10-year-old son who's just getting into d I am excited for him to have this book. Why? So I can just see his imagination light up with all the new concepts. For me as an old school DM, I have to say, I also got a lot out of this thing. I love all of the different subtables and tools. I love how every aspect of DMing is really covered in a very concise but useful manner. So uh, my advice is if you're not me, and chances are you're not, you need to get yourself a Dungeon Master's Guide.
3: Pretty pretty good advice. I'll take that one.
4: Well, thank you, Bill, for being on the show. I just want to mention, finally, in closing here, that that uh, idea of a D6 per point of uh, dexterity—that's totally copyright uh, 2014 Dungeon Bastard idea. I don't want to see that showing up in some sort of weird supplement or something like that. That's not—that's not Creative Commons, okay, you guys. So. Uh... You know, I just want to make sure that I got my uh, intellectual, you know, claws into that property because I think
3: that could be a real winner for everyone out there.
0: And we're going to edit out this entire discussion on yep. Disclaimer it never, Now.
3: Never happened, but I look forward to seeing that in, in uh, the Dungeon Bastards module of Special House Rules, so it'll be awesome. <laughs>
0: Well, as always, thank you for listening to the D&D Podcast. You can download the latest episodes on our website, DungeonsAndDragons.com, as well as subscribe directly from iTunes. On behalf of Shelley Mazenoble, Trevor Kidd, the Dungeon Bastard, and the Geeky Hostess, thanks again for listening.
4: Game on, gamers!